Where Ideas Launch, the podcast for the sustainable innovator. We won't save the planet by recycling 50% of our waste. We save it by not creating waste. Season two goes heavily into circular business models and innovation while creating a space to discuss issues important to our society, like education. Join me and my guest as we explore and create pathways toward a future for the planet. We know it, but sometimes it's hard for us to take action behind supporting appropriate self-care. I've been guilty of abusing legal substances in my life, from alcohol to tobacco and even sugar. I've allowed these substances to regulate my mood, my energy, and in the short term, feelings of happiness. On Where Ideas Launch, the podcast for the sustainable innovator, I raised this topic today because health and well-being is number three on the list of sustainable development goals, and because I know that many are still dealing with the effects of the pandemic on their mental health and well-being. Today, we'll be talking to Charlotte Hopkins, who has dedicated two decades of her career to helping provide the right support to people experiencing addiction. Charlotte works in the private sector and has unique insight on how prevalent these issues are, even amongst professionals who do not typically seek public support for their struggles. Hello, Charlotte, and welcome to our show. Hi, thank you for having me. (laughs) Wonderful to have you. So, Charlotte, I, I wanted to have you on the show because... Even I have been going through my own traumas um, in dealing with the stress of, of being on lockdown for the third time in the UK. And also in, in terms of, you know, getting myself motivated to do what I need to do for my business as an entrepreneur. Um, and I look around me and I, and I see, you know, a mix of experiences with, with this whole lockdown. So um, there are people who have, you know, sort of stable jobs who are able to possibly you know, get into different things like maybe painting or um, different types of activities that they can use to sort of deal with the passage of time. Um, but there are others who are facing a lot, a lot different realities. So for example, the nurses who are, you know, possibly some of them on the brink um, and as well as entrepreneurs who may not be able to generate as much cash for their business and things like this. So I just wanted to, to talk to you a little bit about how people are dealing with their well-being during this lockdown and and your thoughts on it yeah I think it's um it's a really really interesting topic and for me in the UK we band around this one in four people have mental health quite often and I vehemently disagree for me it's four in four of us so every single one of us at some point will experience some levels of mental ill health so yes there's the one in four of us that may have a diagnosis or may need medication right on the other side of the spectrum there's that one in four of us who will never need any extra support we will just deal with it ourselves and you know kind of crack on with with life And then there's this 50% of us that at some point may need extra support. And that's not to say we need extra specialist support from a mental health service, for example. But what it means is that we need to find some level of self-care. We might need to just wallow and watch ridiculous amounts of Netflix for the day. Um, We might find other coping mechanisms that are some healthy, some not so healthy. But actually, the reality is that at some point in our lives, every single one of us will experience some levels of mental ill health. And I think what COVID has done is just exasperated that. I think what's really interesting for me is I've worked over 20 years within the substance misuse sector. 
So worked with a lot of people with quite complex co-occurring health and well-being needs um, anything from offending behavior to homelessness to substance misuse to mental ill health and actually what we're seeing is um, for a lot of people they're really resilient it's the people who are used to the routine and the structure of their day they're often the people that are really struggling and then if you look at kind of professionals and entrepreneurs and those people who are used to kind of go into the office in a nine-to-five um, dropping their kids off at school, picking them up, coming home, making tea, watching Netflix, going to bed, doing it all again. That structure has been completely stripped out. So it's no wonder we're all feeling slightly stressed, anxious. Um, I've, I call it really tetchy. I have my tetchy moments where I'm like, just leave me alone. Um, but that's because I think most of us like that structure, which we've been completely thrown out of. Yeah. Absolutely. I wanted to dig in a little bit to this piece about how people are dealing with um, what they're going through. And just just another little anecdote. So <laughs> I live in a building of flats and one of those flats, there's, I, I guess it's a couple who smoke weed all day long. <laughs> right? and, and it's a problem because it comes through the, the doors, the doors aren't um, perfectly sealed. So we have filled in our corridors like this, this smell of weed like all day long. And I think to myself, how are they coping? How are they doing this? Um, but, but what I realize is that there are a lot of people finding sort of substance uh, mechanisms to help them cope. And I just wanted to, to talk a little bit about that and, and your work in that space as well to understand why this is happening and, and what we could do. Yeah, I guess just to start with that, you know, the majority of people will use any kind of drugs, whether that's cannabis, alcohol, heroin, even cocaine, it doesn't really matter what the substance is, the majority will use it for fun and enjoyment. Um, so your neighbours are probably just having a really, really nice time. They're probably fairly relaxed <laughs> and enjoying <laughs> stuff. Um, but but actually, we see it quite commonly across um, high performing professionals in particular. So there's lots of people who I've worked alongside who are really professional in what they do. They are nurses, doctors, managers, HR leads. They are consultants, police officers, all kinds of quote unquote professional people. And they will often self-medicate with more often than not alcohol because it's legal um, but with other substances as well. And there's a multiple reasons why they'll, they'll use that. One is really, really quick. So, you know, for many people, if they're stressed or they're, they're anxious or they're overwhelmed, they've had a really busy, um, crazy week in work or the kids are, you know, performing at home and they just know that they need to unwind really quickly, then for lots of people that that answer is found in a glass of wine. And for, you know, 90% of the people that, that use alcohol, they'll never have any issues with it. They'll be able to stop as and when they're ready. But there's always that small percentage that will build this tolerance to their substance and find themselves kind of caught a cropper and I always say that nobody sets out and has a glass of wine or a, a line of cocaine or you know even a, a you know a bliff nobody sets out and says oh right in three years time I'm going to be completely addicted and I'm going to need some extra support so it, it kind of creeps up on us we don't always expect it um, nobody intentionally sets out to 
need to have specialist support to support them with their drug alcohol use. So the substance itself will often, you know, help that person. I guess self-medicate is one word, but just it gives them something that means it tips the balance towards why they use it. And we do see it more frequently within high professionals. It's just that, you know, people who've got disposable income will often go and see private practice. So they won't turn up in any of the statistics because, um, that's where the statistics come. They come from crime and they, the crime stats and they come from your GP and they come from health professionals. And most professionals who've got some kind of substance use um, or substance misuse are unlikely to walk into traditional services because they don't want to, to be found out. When do they know they need help? Oh, that's the big question. Um I often think that those around them know that they need help before they do. I think if we were to apply logic, there's probably this gut feeling when somebody starts to hide their use, when they're hiding it from loved ones, when they realise that they've overspent on a budget that they may have had, when they look in the recycle bins and realise that there's, you know, an extra 10, 15, five, two bottles um, in the recycle bin that they weren't expecting, when they use on a day that they weren't planning to, when it goes from a, a Friday to Saturday to a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So there's all kinds of... Um, situations and, and occurrences that we would look at with somebody to discuss whether it's a problem for them. Part of the challenge, I think, is that often family, friends, colleagues, um, neighbours will see that there's a bit of a concern more than the user themselves, because there's an outsider looking in. It's so much easier for us to see the, the harm or the damage or the risks that it's having or the impact it's having on someone's life. When we're in it, often we're still experiencing the fun or the enjoyment or the pleasure it's still giving us some kind of reward so it's very challenging um to identify and I'm sure you know I definitely like to overindulge in chocolate cake and crisps and I could eat a bag a big bag of crisps not a problem at all I know that I shouldn't eat a big bag of um, crisps I know I shouldn't eat a full chocolate cake but there are times where we do that so often we know the implications yet we can still tip that balance because the pleasure and the reward is so much more greater so it is definitely a big open answer question that's very individual to that person and their family yeah and what are the sort of ways that people could start to let's say cope or, or remediate this for me it's self-care I've experienced burnout twice and I experienced it in two very different ways so the first time I experienced burnout I was like a little Duracell bunny and you know people who know me know that I'm constantly got multiple projects on the go I've got two kids two children I've got a husband my life is quite busy and the first time I experienced burnout, I just was going, 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 going. And I just fell off the end of the cliff. I knew that I hadn't been looking after myself. I, I kind of lost a lot of weight. I wasn't eating properly. Um, there was no kind of self-care routine at all. Um, and I swore I would never do it again. Ten years later, I experienced burnout in a very different way. So that, from that perspective, I found myself in a burnout position but it, it manifested in a way that I was becoming somebody I wasn't I was doing work that I didn't 
feel sat with my values. I was um, missing family occasions. I missed my son's very first um, parents evening. And I think any parents listening will know that that's a big no-no. Um, so there was just little things I realised that whilst I wasn't acknowledged that I was in burnout, I was absolutely in burnout. So for me, it's becoming really conscious in what you need to, to take that self-care. What, what I find with a lot of the people I've worked with where substances are involved is that people it takes a while for people to realize that that's not necessarily the most healthy way for them to, to de-stress, unwind, deal with overwhelm. And now part of what the work we do is look at how you can put mechanisms in place that aren't based around chemicals, essentially, whether that's food or whether that's, um, you know, wine or whether that's cocaine, it doesn't really matter what it is. It's about finding that balance of, activities that will help provide that self-care and that can range from anything from meditation from walking getting in nature it could be coloring um watching netflix there's a whole different range of things that people need to try so that they can experience what works so that when the crisis actually occurs when they find themselves at that breaking point they've got um these kind of trigger points that will identify when it's tipping into crisis or when it's manageable yeah and of course COVID has taken away some of that so where people would previously been able to go to the gym for example COVID's completely removed that um so there are definitely additional challenges right now how can me as a family member or you know anyone as a family member support their partners or or loved ones um when they recognize this is happening is it okay for us to try to create like a pattern interrupt? I think it's really hard um, as a family member because we often see that destruction or that, that kind of ripple and impact on our loved ones far before they do. So the biggest advice is to stay patient, um, which can be really, really hard. And, and people often, I've spoken to family members who've often said to me, um, I feel really guilty, but I don't want to stay with them anymore. And I think I'm a huge advocate for self-care first, regardless of what your loved ones are going through. And if as a loved one, you're feeling that you've, you know, you're doing as much as you can, there may become a point where you have to step back. For those people who are actually living and breathing it, then you actually have to make sure you've got self-care mechanisms in place first. And my my best advice is to speak to family support and there's so many amazing family support services out there that will be able to give more specific advice on what you can do um but i think it's about knowing limitations is a really fine line between um kind of colluding and unintentionally supporting somebody's um use of substances and being able to provide them with needed support as well so what about what about if the person seems to be in a depressive state? So what's the recommendation for people who are sleeping into depression? I've read recently that statistics around suicides were, were starting to climb during this pandemic as well. What can we do for people who are going through that sort of thing? 
Yeah, I'm a huge advocate for just asking for support. And mm. I think we're yeah, absolutely right. The levels of um, suicide are rising, as are the levels of abuse in a house are rising, as our alcohol levels are rising, um, as are, you know, just general mental health issues are rising. All of these things are are exasperated during this this situation. Um so the best advice for me is to seek that advice. Now, that d- advice doesn't have to necessarily come from a specialist service. Um, I think always seeing your GP is a really great starting point because they're in a position to then really understand the nuances of whether there's any family history of, of mental health or whether this is situational. Um, my biggest advice, if you do see a professional of any kind, is to write down everything that's going on for you before you go. Because when we go in, if you're anything like me, you walk into that GP and all of a sudden you feel absolutely fine. There's nothing going on. I don't really know why I'm here. So <laughs> lots of people kind of forget what's been going on for them. Um So writing down the kind of symptoms that your experiences are really important. I think having a really hard look, I'm a huge advocate of creating a diary. So for example, when people come and work with us from a substance use perspective, what we'll often do is ask them to record when and why and what they're drinking or using, but also look at that mood. Um, What kind of was the the situation around that were they feeling low or depressed or were they actually feeling really excited and you know wanted to just have some excitement in their life and what that'll allow somebody to do is really look at those patterns and then take action and when you're in kind of a, a depression or you've got some anxiety or whatever those those feelings are that you're really struggling with it's very hard to pull yourself out of that so having somebody who can almost be like an accountability buddy just to kind of give you a nudge to say actually are you okay today or do you need some some space or do you need to talk or do you just need a hug so it's there's there's this spectrum of at one end there's this kind of I'm feeling low in mood and I just need some a little support and then right on the other end then there's this this diagnosis of depression which may or may not require some more medical intervention Perfect, Charlotte. Can you can you tell our listeners how they would be able to find out about your services? You know, this is a obviously a choice that people make, you know, probably as a family or maybe a very individual one. But how can they reach out if they wanted to get more advice or guidance from you? Yeah, we have can be contactable via our website, which is www.kinby.co.uk. And we specialize in providing support, education and awareness around anything to do with complex co-occurring needs. So what I would say is we have a really great network of professionals that can um, be referred to or we can refer, um, I wouldn't say refer on your behalf but we can advise to to get in contact with um, and then on social media anybody can just search for charlotte hopkins and um, anything around the happy pursuit of excellence and i should pop up perfect thanks so much for joining us and for your guidance today charlotte it's been thank invaluable. you for having me thanks for listening this podcast was brought to you today by career sketching with Catherine ann byam and the space where ideas launch Career Sketching is a leadership development and coaching brand offering personalized career transition and transformation services. 
the Space Where Ideas Launch offers high-performance group leadership coaching and strategy facilitation to businesses in the food and health sectors. To find out more, contact Catherine Ann Byam on LinkedIn.